0: Welcome again to VLGA Connect and our weekly newsroom feature just to check the pulse of what's happening. I was going to say check the pulse of Catherine Art, but it's really Catherine Arndt checking the pulse of what's happening around the sector. Hi Catherine.
1: Hi Chris. I think my, I, I think my heart's beating.
0: <laughs> Excellent. That is very positive news. I'm really pleased to hear it. How, how are you feeling?
1: Oh look um, I think like all of us we're, we're putting one f- foot in front of the other and we're keeping on going, uh, you know, and as we should be in
0: these circumstances. Yes. And that's a a good metaphor for the elections. I was thinking of all these uh, ship-based metaphors to use. It's full steam ahead. The election boat is sailing towards the 24th of October, unimpeded. No icebergs anymore. They're all out of the way. The Minister's made the decision. What did you think about that call?
1: Well, I I would say we're hurtling towards um, the elections now. I I think, um, thank goodness for the clarity for all of us, and particularly uh, the sector, and also for the voters and potential candidates. I mean, what what it it does um, signify is that, for those who are interested in, in standing, that they need to get their roller skates on if they haven't already. And I know a lot of people have, but. Now is the time to, to really explore how you can campaign in an innovative way given some of the restrictions. The, the elections are proceeding as was clearly outlined in the, um, the presser that came out of the state government on the advice from the Chief Health Officer that they were safe to do so. The VEC Commissioner has also confirmed that the VEC is well prepared to support those, in election, those
0: elections um, in yes, a yes, safe yes. way or so. So on safety grounds, that, that issue is, has been dealt with and, and, and it's considered appropriate to proceed in the current climate. I guess I wonder your your take on some of the arguments that were being put forward for a deferral, because there is validity to some of those arguments. So, you know, what I'm hearing now is how can independent candidates perhaps compete in this very unique environment against the might of... I guess political parties that have resources to put towards uh, the way a candidate, uh, a way a campaign can be run, uh, particularly under stage four, which is a very different uh, prospect to stage three, for those outside of metropolitan Melbourne.
1: It is, uh, I guess, um, some of those concerns I can understand. Uh, I guess, unfortunately, for all of us, though, COVID is unprecedented, isn't it? and we have a system of democracy where there are four year terms for councils and none of us with our crystal ball can actually determine or see when covid in fact might resolve so i guess the government had to consider all of those things in terms of the democratic term i mean i've i've also seen a lot of feedback from members of the community potential candidates who knowing all of those restrictions that might apply for them were still very keen to have the opportunity to participate there are a lot of councillors themselves who are very keen to step down and um, retire so to speak
0: yeah so, good point that i did wonder how many councillors would have actually stepped down if the term had been extended for you know a matter of months for example
1: yes and, and i guess you know that issue of councillor fatigue as you yourself would, would know um, from your experience as a CEO in the sector, at the end of that four-year term, I mean, it's been a, a long four years, you know, on the back of bushfires for some of our r- rural regional areas and, and interface council areas, and now in this uh, pandemic, I, I, would have, I would suspect that there are a few councillors who are looking forward um, to being able to step down.
0: interesting subject that we haven't talked much about in recent times. It's probably for another day, but I always felt from my time within councils that that last year of a four-year term, there was a fatigue that set in. I never felt it was great for making really good decisions when you got to that point. And I can only imagine what an extension of the term would have done for good decision making.
1: Yes. And uh, I mean, and for that reason too, there is that period of caretaker Some councils also make decisions in that last year of of a council term not to progress any significant agenda items or or items (laughs) of business and, of course, allow a new council coming in to go through that process of community engagement uh, and strategic planning, which, of Mm. course, is the other consideration that we have in front of us now, and that is the implementation of a new Local Government Act. With, with critical timelines that take effect from October this year, March, and all through um, next year, which requires a, a, a council involvement. It um, yeah, requires yeah. you know, an opportunity to induct new councillors and also develop new policies that haven't been in
0: place before. Absolutely right, and I know you've been involved as have I in some of the co-design work <laughs> Uh, coming out of the Local Government Act, particularly the Integrated Strategic uh, Planning Framework, Um, important pieces of work to help the sector really mobilise and understand the requirements of the Act and how perhaps resources can be effectively put towards those tasks?
1: Yes, I actually just had my meeting this afternoon with my uh, co-design team, and I must say, you just cannot under estimate the amount of work that the sector is involved in at the moment. Um, Local Government Victoria, of course, are leading a co-design engagement process with the sector, which the sector welcomes and acknowledges. Unfortunately, though, it's, I guess, yet more work for council staff to be undertaking in what is already a really odd time. people working remotely um, in various stages of restrictions across the state, delivering frontline and critical services in a a pandemic environment, Um, and councillors, of course, that political arm, um, who have been very focused and concerned and waiting for clarity about the election dates as well. So there's a lot of work in front of the sector at the moment. and it's a little bittersweet, I must say, because, of course, the sector wants to be able to influence, um, you know, what the regulations and guidelines look like that support the Local Government Act, but at the same time, the amount of time that they need to invest in doing that is quite
0: significant. Absolutely right. And, and this, is a, this is a situation that will be with us for a while, because there's really a two-year program of implementation with... With, uh, with much that needs to be done. So I, I do know that LGB is focused on trying to help that process along through these um, pieces of co-design work, model codes, etc., that hopefully make the task a, a bit easier for, for councils, particularly those smaller councils that are, they don't have the additional resources to take offline to devote to these processes like perhaps some larger ones do.
1: Yeah, that, that's a real issue. And and, and again, I think everyone's doing the best that they can, including LGV. Um, It's important that we do take the opportunity to participate, uh, even if it means um, we can only add our little bit. Um, At least it is an opportunity to be part of that and at least influence what might come out. And I would also encourage our viewers and members in the sector to let the VLGA know what more we could be doing to support them um, in these processes, we are, of course, represented uh, on the Local Government Victoria Project Control Board and also in the co-design work. Uh, but, 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 really happy to take feedback from the sector about what more we can be doing to
0: support. Them. Okay, we we'll spent a bit more time on that than I'd planned. So, just a couple of uh, highlights of the week. Uh, I. Uh, spoke to the Lord Mayor of Melbourne in an interview earlier in the week. I've got some terrific feedback from that. She's a very engaging speaker, isn't she?
1: Yes, she is. Uh, I think um, she's really embraced, uh, you know, using virtual platforms to communicate with her constituents since she came into the role as Lord Mayor and Mm. is entirely comfortable um, in front of the camera and also very generous with her time. Uh, so I haven't had an opportunity to watch all of that, in, that that interview, but I imagine that there are some quite significant issues uh, for the City of Melbourne, as there are for all municipalities throughout Victoria. And, um, you know, re- really, I guess, look forward to reading a little bit more about what some of their pro- priorities are, particularly for um, recovery efforts.
0: I know that you do take time on the weekends to catch up on things. So look for the question I asked her, put it on the spot a bit. Really, you know what? What do you wish you knew six months ago that you know now, going into COVID nineteen? She gave a really, really insightful answer. So look for that. Why Triple C? You've continued with the the forums this week.
1: We have, and we had our third Y Triple C live panel on Wednesday with Charles Picana and also Georgia from the VEC, so she's the Aboriginal Engagement Officer at the VEC, and she spoke about, again, um, supporting the, the targets of this program, which is really to encourage participation in local government uh, by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, mm-hmm. and, and participation of both the voter and potential candidate levels. So, excellent discussion. In fact, even though that was to be our last C live panel, we will probably continue that series. In terms of uh, uptake and viewing stats um, and also feedback, it's one of our highest viewed programs um, and it's such an important conversation. It's really only the beginning of a conversation. The moment Victoria has one Aboriginal um, person who is a councillor um, up in Mansfield and that's um, certainly Smaller numbers than our New South Wales counter- counterparts, and certainly not at all reflective um, of, of the community. Uh, so this program hopefully will continue on. Are
0: you suggesting more people watch that than this program, Catherine?
1: Oh look, I'll, I'll ha- I want to see the stats, Chris, because <laughs> you know they were told to me verbally, and I've asked for the the the, the
0: written the evidence. The
1: evidence. <laughs> so we'll we'll see, but um, yeah, look certainly great uptake. And one of the things that's coming out of of the conversation so far with YCCC is that, of course, um, for those those Aboriginal Victorians who are are just really being exposed to local government in this way for the first time, thinking about even running as a candidate it seems so far into the future. But there are other, other opportunities for all members of the community to engage in local government other than running for council, and that is to look at what advisory committees your local council might have, and mm. your hand up to be part of those if um, they are of interest to you, and that will certainly give you a, um, a great induction into the world of local government.
0: Indeed. Now, we're going to have to wrap it up. We always seem to go over time, and it's our own arbitrary time limit that we set for ourselves, but very quickly, we've got a couple of really interesting live panels in store over the next 10 days, two weeks or so.
1: Yeah, and and really relevant panels too. So next Friday, uh, we'll be running a live panel. So an interactive panel that people can register for uh, to talk about social media and the use of social media in this restricted campaigning environment. So just waiting to confirm all of the panelists for that. But hoping that we might actually have um, someone on that panel who can talk as a recent candidate or um, in another jurisdiction's election process and some of the innovative ways they used social media to campaign in that process. Uh, we also will then have, hopefully, the following week, um, a live panel conversation with IBAC and the inspectorate. To talk about how those two integrity agencies work intersect, particularly in um, the context of the electoral regulations and local government
0: elections. Both be very timely, and I'm sure they'll be very uh, well attended. In fact, I know people are waiting for the social media one, for the details to drop, because we talked about doing it at our last live panel and they're they're lining up. Catherine, thank you. Great to talk as always. I hope you have a great uh, weekend and uh, week ahead and we'll talk to you about this time next week.
1: Thanks, Chris. You too.
0: Catherine Arndt is the CEO of the VLGA, joining us from the newsroom as she does every week here on VLGA Connect.